know what it is. It's Anime Death Spiral, the only anime podcast that's allowed within 500 feet of elementary schools, and it is the weed number day. So a traditional 420 blaze it to you, my listeners, and my best friends. Uh, Thank you for joining me. Nate's still on his uh, holy pilgrimage, so unfortunately for you, you're just going to have to deal with me with my limiter off. (laughs) I've got full reign, baby. I can talk about whatever I want. And, uh, you know, I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about something that uh, I'm not really sure how I would discuss with with Nate, because, as we've talked about, I'm a little bit more prolific reader than than he is. And uh, so I don't think he's really read most of the things I want to talk about. But I want to talk about specifically something that's a little bit tricky, um, especially for... You know, a show like this where I kind of wanted to, um, well, um, recommend things, I suppose. Recommend or uh, tell you not to read things. These are things, I guess, that kind of slip between the cracks of those two. Um, they kind of call them, like, anti-recommendations, I suppose. That maybe that's a, that's a way to talk about them. But these are things that I really like for whatever reason, whether it's... You know, something that really touched me or like there's an incredible art style or, or something like that. But I just can't, I, I would never uh, tell you to go off and read these or or say like, uh, you know, um, these are must reads. In fact, I, most of the time, I think a lot of this stuff, I would kind of say like, uh, hey, maybe steer clear of this. Maybe it's better if you just like hear about it and that's okay. Not saying that you shouldn't read any of these just saying maybe you shouldn't read any of these i don't know but we can get into it right because these break down into kind of two categories the first one is uh things that just don't come together these are usually things that like get abandoned or um just like for whatever reason they're rushed out and they have to wrap up before the story is really at a, an ending point. So they just kind of drop off for whatever reason. It's This is something um, kind of strange. It, it, it's very unique to the uh, serialized publishing model, you know. It's, this is a very much a comic book thing, you know. And there's a couple of notable things that I think are really interesting there. You know, there's a few that um, just kind of get dropped, just nothing, just no ending, no no ceremony, nothing, just disappear, which is a real shame because some of them are, like, pretty good, like, maybe really good. There's a, a Chinese manhwa called Heresy, uh, which is really fantastic. Uh, it's got an incredible art style, just something very, very unique. You're not going to see this in other stuff. Uh it's all fully colored. It's beautiful line work. Um, these incredible fantasy vistas. And, and the Chinese stuff you don't see very often, uh, more and more so these days. But uh, it's still kind of fresh, uh, fresh fantasy uh, flavors uh, for a lot of people, I think. And, and uh, they're captured really beautiful in Heresy. It's a story about a boy who's sort of at the back of his class in uh, cultivation school, I suppose. This is sort of like, this is a very traditional kind of Chinese fantasy thing about soul cultivation. Uh, it kind of splits the difference between, like, 
like magic and necromancy. It's about interacting with spirits um, and training your body in a sort of martial arts way in order to uh, live forever. I think that's kind of the goal in, in cultivation stuff is to live forever. They're, they're formed into sects, which is, you know, I suppose sort of, uh, sort of similar to like a martial arts school, right? And they're, they're kind of ranked within, you know, uh, student, disciple, uh, practitioner, master, grandmaster, that kind of thing, uh, which uh, kind of breaks down where you are on the, I guess, power level, how long you're going to live, all that kind of thing. And this kid is, um, he's pretty far in the back of his class. He doesn't really have a fair amount of uh, souls cultivated, I suppose you could say. But, uh, you know, he finds a, a magic sword, as is, is what happens to, a, <laughs> you know, the kid in magic school in soul cultivation. And it kind of goes on from there. It's really, it, it, the story is pretty sparse. Um, but it's interesting, again, the, the Chinese elements make it kind of feel fresher to someone like me who hasn't read a lot of the Chinese stuff. Even though I've watched a lot of uh, Chinese fantasy and, and martial arts movies, uh, not as many comics. But, as happens quite a lot, the artists uh, <laughs> worked themselves sick uh, and had to end the series just kind of abruptly. Um, when I was really getting into it, it really sucks. And this is something that happens a lot. Some of them just end with without any explanation like that. I assume these are editorial decisions. You know, something wasn't popular enough and it got pulled. Something like that. That happened to a few I've read recently as well. There's one called Double Arts, which is fairly standard shonen. But it's got a cute gimmick. Kind of a late 1800s-ish fantasy world. You know, early European-tinged. There's a virus, uh, incurable, kind of wiping out many, many peasants. Once you get it, you're pretty much dead. A girl who works with sort of, a, I guess, kind of a hospice service, I suppose. She's traveling throughout the country, and she by chance uh, happens upon a boy who is immune, and she only finds this out because she is infected, and when she takes his hand, the infection stops, but when she lets go of his hand, it starts up again, <laughs> it's pretty fucked, so they embark on a journey to get him to, I suppose, some kind of a Last of Us style medical facility ending, but they cannot let go of each other's hands, so it's very, it's really cute, it's really cute like that, but just, yeah, it kind of ends. One of my favorite authors and artists right now, Nakayama Atsushi seems to happen to every, everything that this dude's worked with. Uh, it's really unfortunate. I guess he's just cursed that way. He's up, he's kind of dabbled in every version of this because he's written stories like uh, Mage Game and um, Gambler's Parade that just ended. There's another series I really liked uh, called Yurataro, which I think is somehow related to the, the Momotaro story that has kind of on the other side of this whereas it has a really great run and then for whatever reason somebody's like hey you gotta wrap it up and it just sprints to the ending and kind of fumbles fumbles it because of that you know it kind of trips on its own feet there's not enough room for it to end so it just falls flat this also happens 
to a series by Uchimizu Toru called Sayism, uh, which I really liked <laughs> half of, <laughs> about a girl who um, gets befriended by a, a strange but very popular and beautiful mysterious girl. And slowly it's revealed that this beautiful, mysterious girl is uh, pretty menacing and is kind of taking their friendship a little too far. It becomes a very, like, kind of psychological thriller thing. It's it's fantastic. And the art is really fantastic in plots. There's, like, just really, really great panels. But it just it hits a point where it's like, hey, this we don't know where we're going with this and we got to wrap it up. And it just kind of falls flat. It has a really laugh-out-loud ridiculous ending that is just so unfitting for how great the first half of the series is you know and this happens to a couple other things you know uh all kinds of stuff Aposims is probably one of my my most uh, grieved series Aposims by Nihei Tsutomu who did Blame famously Abara Biomega um Knights of Cydonia. just one of the one of the greatest to ever do it I mean this dude is fucking he kills it and I think Aposims is, like, his best work. You know, Blame and stuff, they're really known for being kind of, like, dark and gritty. Really, literally dark and gritty. Like, the page, the ink seems, like, piled on. You know, there's, like, a grime to everything. To the point where you're kind of, like, it's almost difficult to pick out tiny details in the incredibly detailed artwork. And Aposims is Sutomo going in the completely different direction with it with his art style he's pushing himself further than any of his other works i've seen he goes full-on negative space these pages are almost blindingly white the the line work is so sparing that uh most of the lines don't even connect everything is being implied and it works so so well i mean you really have to do yourself a favor and at least look up some of the some of the pictures from Aposims because it is beautiful. Uh, I, I mean, talk about doing more with less. I mean, it is incredible what he can wring out of just a couple of lines on a page. I mean, it is so, so evocative. But, you know, it hits, God, I want to say like 40 chapters in, 40 great, great chapters, and somebody told him to wrap it up and he just has to compress like an entire second half of this story into like you know 10 more or something like that and it just gets squashed it, it's just a real shame uh so these are the kinds of things like there's that side of it where i have a hard time recommending these things you know um something like uh, uh Quan is great uh neolation is a great series that got abandoned ib instant bullets um got squashed it's a great one School Zone uh, is fantastic, but just ends. And so it's hard to recommend some of that stuff because you're like, you are 100% inevitably going to be disappointed. Um, but if you want to read these things just for how great some of the elements are and how great the art is, you know, I, I can recommend them from that. But it's hard to tell somebody, like, here, read a story. It doesn't have an ending. You know, it really sucks. You know, you wouldn't tell somebody, oh, you know, um, watch this tv show it uh just stops in the in the first 10 episodes and doesn't really have anything else afterwards they canceled it um but it's really great it's really great it's uh it's a hard sell the other side of this is a little darker it's things that i think are really really great in some cases but like masterpieces but they're 
emotional in a way that I wouldn't want to just inflict on somebody, if you know what I mean. I'm thinking of things like Girls Last Tour, shout out for the <laughs> person who recommended that to me, uh, really fucking killed me emotionally, just incredible. Again, kind of like Aposims, the art style in Girls Last Tour is very sparing, very, very evocative, and that sparing but evocative nature kind of extends into the narrative itself. Um, it is very, very sparse storytelling. It's just about these two girls making their way through uh, an empty landscape. Um, not even really struggling to survive, that is an aspect of it, but it's not forefronted. It's just kind of their journey uh, through a sort of existentialist dream of uh, an abandoned world. And as you know, if you you can probably extrapolate from that description. It hits some truly emotionally devastating highs and lows. It's fantastic. I mean, incredible, but it leaves wounds. I mean, when I think about it, I love it. I'm really glad I read it, but it hurts, you know? Sort of in the similar vein, there's things like Happy Sugar Life, which is uh, kind of like what we talked about last time, sort of a fake out in that it's it's all, it's very much like a, a fake moe manga about a girl who uh, turns out to be a, a, a kidnapper and a murderer. She's kidnapped this little girl and is forcing her to kind of play house with her. And uh, the whole thing is about this cute girl and how far she can push this thing before everything blows up in her face. I really enjoyed it because of the thriller aspects of it, but it is dark in a lot of ways that's really pushing the boundaries of good taste. <laughs> you know, maybe too much. It's like some really gratuitously awful things happen. And the payoff isn't like, oh, great, I'm so glad we got here. The payoff is like, well, that fucking happened. Jesus Christ. Again, this is something I really like, but I can't tell someone in good faith to read it. You know, there's other stories sort of like this, like Takapi's Original Sin. Uh, one of my favorite short stories it, I've read in a long time, but is just emotionally devastating. And then there's stuff like Signal 100, which is a death game. You know, you know I love death games. I'm going to get into that, which I think is a fantastic death game. But it is one of just one of the most incredibly violent and brutal and emotionally brutal uh, death games that you could even imagine. Uh, ironically, it's a big aspect of it is the the way psychology is used in the narrative to torture these high school kids. But it's also the author and artist is first enough in, in emotional manipulation and the psychology of the reader that they can also inflict that emotional damage straight to us. Um, very, very important in, in making good horror art and writing good horror narrative is being able to manipulate your audience's emotions in the most devastating way, to be able to tweak somebody in the most painful areas. <laughs> it's it's an art, and Signal 100 it does it with aplomb. It does it with glee. It fucks with you on so many different levels, and it does it so well that it's like rec recommending this to somebody is telling them to like stick fucking attacks into their arms it's 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 a little brutal you know it's hard to tell somebody to do that I, 
I want to. I'm really tempted to because, like, I want other people to experience the things I experience and, and love the things I love. Of course I do. Why would else would I be spending so much time talking about this shit? But, man, it's that's tough. There's a couple others. You know, um, Tatsuki Fujimoto's Fire Punch is very similar. It's an incredible, incredible story and is not nearly as brutal emotionally or physically as Signal 100, but it, it fucking hurts. It knows where to hit you. Uh, it's incredibly compelling, though. It's hard to say no to that. There's a lot of stories that we would consider dramas, too, that uh, run in sort of, I guess what you'd say, the more the m- mature adult f- manga circles. One is Nijigahara Holograph, which is all about uh, adults trying to, and trying and failing to reconcile with the the damage they did to each other as children. And it, again, it doesn't fuck around. This is about abuse, uh, both children on children, adult on children, children on adult. Uh, this is about the pain that we can inflict on each other. And unlike Satan 100 and Fire Punch, which are both horror f- and essentially fantasies, Nijigahara Holograph does its absolute best to uh, ground these things uh, in reality, which makes it very, very difficult to abstract yourself from that violence, emotional violence. It just becomes more and more raw. So again, it's another one where it's like, hey man, you should read Nijigahara Holograph. You'll just sit there and suffer. Um, it's great. You'll really love it. Um, it'll really leave a, a nice chunk of bloody meat where your heart is. And you'll kind of poke at it every once in a while. It'll remind you how much it hurt to read that story. You'll, love, you'll fucking love that, right? You should definitely read that. Just a couple others <laughs> that I, I do not recommend to you. Basilisk. Uh, this one has an anime, and pretty famous at the time. I think it was more of a 90s thing, but it's, you know, that one's about ninja battles, so, you know, it's incredibly tragic, but you also get ninja battles, so maybe that's, you're into that. In a similar vein, uh, Bokurano is, uh, an incredible, incredible, uh, heartbreaking story, but it's got giant mech battles, so, you know, if you like giant mechs, what do you think? You Maybe give it a shot? I don't know. Maybe don't give it a shot. I... It's very hard to say. Like I said, uh, I don't even know how to talk about these things. You know, I could sit here and like get into each one of these uh, individually and kind of just talk through the story and why I like them. But I, I don't think that uh, would convey how well they're told. And, and frankly, it would be very disappointing uh, and depressing for both of us, I think. So I just want to kind of allude to it. And you know, if you want to if you're looking for something to challenge yourself, have at it. I promise you these are good. You will get something out of each of these if you're willing to go there. But I won't tell you to go there. Shit's tough. Huh. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna do a bit of a shorter episode because Nate's not around to um, tell me when to stop (laughs) my rambling. Let me just uh, clear those things from my mind before I move on. Whew. Okay. Alright, 
in the spirit of taking advantage of my, uh, like, uh, parents aren't home, um, <laughs> energy, <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to do just a quick thing, because you spend a lot of time shitting on Isekai, and I spend a lot of time big-upsing, uh, death games. It's kind of my, kind of focus right now, I suppose. And I think constantly about these two things, juxtaposed with each other. So I kind of wanted to just, um, <laughs> go through what I, what I consider the, 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 the separate experiences. Okay, so... What are the differences between these two things? Let's start with the death game experience. You find yourself in a death game. You are an average kind of person. You know, you don't dress goofy, but you don't drip. Your KDA ratio is pretty mid. You've got friends, but you don't get invited to good parties. Uh, you've got a guy or a girl you crush on, but you know, you're a little too insecure to shoot your shot. You know, it's everything is kind of awkward you're in that real awkward space in life colors are, are muted you know your your favorite song doesn't hit as hard your dreams kind of start feeling like they're drifting out of reach um you know maybe you're really good at something you got some special skill or maybe there's you know you got a little bit of a potential in you but it doesn't really feel like it matters because nothing feels like it matters really nothing matters that much you you, you wonder you wonder if this is just what life is. But then it happens. You're walking into class, or you're meeting up with your crush, or you're just chilling in your living room, pretending to watch TV while you scroll on Twitter or whatever, when some fucking Mayor McCheese motherfucker jumps out from behind the couch and teleports your ass to a, a haunted hotel, or, or sucks you up into some sterile white cube, or maybe hog ties you and tosses you in a truck or some shit like that, you know, maybe, maybe it explodes your parents' heads on the way out just to prove a point, maybe, maybe the news suddenly shows all kinds of crazy massacres happening everywhere, or maybe, maybe everything just goes dark. Either way, you're going to wake up and you're going to be surrounded by maybe all your friends, maybe all these new friends and all these new enemies and shit's about to go down. You know, life is no longer gray. It starts off with denial. You're shifting into a new plane of reality and everything is very confusing, you know, and it, it doesn't really take at first. Not until some incredulous dumbass gets testy with Executioner McCheese and gets his head twisted off. They always love messing with heads, you know, exploding heads, twisting heads, popping heads, whatever. It happens a lot. Um, but that puts the fear in you, and that fear is a real pick-me-up. You know, the adrenaline chaser gets you into survival mode real quick. And life goes from those muted grays to blindingly vivid. Everything you know in that moment is shredded apart. And now only two things become vital. Survive and protect. You know, you're going to belly up to every possible expression of humanity in these crises. You're going to be forced to deal with it. The coward who freezes up that you simply can't save. The psycho who gets off on the power of violence in the midst of anarchy. The, the kind of noble, kind person uh, who's just a little too unlucky to make it. The devious kind, driven to depraved acts out of desperation and fear. But you know, these are just people. They're people pushed to extremes in impossible situations. And, and you know that with a different roll of the dice, you could have ended up as any one of them. 
but you're not. You're you. You got a squad to lead, and you've got deadly games to play. You meet all kinds of people who you wouldn't normally interact with, everybody from every kind of walk of life. You're gonna meet them here, and because of your shared experience, you're gonna empathize with them deeply. You're gonna form close bonds. You, you might even fall in love. You find within each of them your own resolve to fight for something more than your own skin. You win games, and you watch people who, just by chance, luck of the draw, squared up against you and lost. And you lose. You lose some games too, and some of your friends die gruesomely. You mourn for both of them. You realize the value and absolute precarity of human life, and it lights up something inside of you. Every step you take becomes harder, and it becomes scarier as you wade deeper and deeper into the pools of your own friend's blood. Your grip tightens even as the tears leave your hands slick. You make no mistakes, but your true love slips from your grasp anyway. You almost welcome death, but to die now would also kill the last echoes of your friends, the ones that live inside of you now. So you struggle. You struggle on. You huddle with the remaining survivors, some who were bitter enemies just days before. Now they're your guides in the darkness of this inevitable end. Fear, hope, defiance, they all wrestle within all of you as your numbers dwindle down to nothing. And then it's just you, alone, with the memories of all of those whose lives you stand on top of. Maybe there are enough of them for you to reach the light. Maybe not. Either way, life continues, with or without you. A life you now understand more deeply than anyone is worth fighting to the death for. You've just experienced a death game. Now let's contrast. <laughs> let's contrast with the average isekai experience, shall we? You find yourself in an isekai. You're a dropout loser who resents life for seemingly depriving you of the special something that allows all the resentful normies to cope and, and even thrive in the world. You know, you perceive your life as worthless, having been wasted by bad decisions and, and bad luck. So subconsciously you decide to gamble with God and you put all your chips into the heroic death slot and it pays off big, baby. You win. You save the cat, the little kid, uh, the grandma, or at least you try to anyway. And, and lo and behold, you wake up in heaven. Except, in this case, Heaven is your your favorite video game or some kind of hastily slapped together version of uh, a fantasy world with all the ridiculous tropes you're familiar with. Or, or maybe even it's just like a way sicker version of uh, your own reality already. I mean, who knows? Uh, it looks like how you want it to look like, right? 
And maybe you're a baby with your memories and attacked and it gets like super weird with all the, you know, the breastfeeding and, and whatnot. Maybe, maybe you just pop into existence at random somewhere. Either way, it won't be long before, you know, your primary anime dream girl comes along and she's assigned to you and you're allowed to board your own personal Disney ride of a grand adventure, right? Most likely you'll pretty soon get into a bit of trouble or, you know, you'll cause some kind of mishap and after finding yourself in your first ever dangerous situation in your entire life, uh, your personal reality bending ability will reveal itself, right? It'll come, it'll come to you naturally. It doesn't really matter which one you get, right? As, as long as it allows you to manifest your will, you know, impose yourself on the world and, and demonstrate your superiority. And, you know, this is almost assuredly achieved through, uh, you know, your own personal flavor of violence, whatever you like. Uh, you know, some of you are rogues, some of you are fighters, some of you are mages, you know. You choose what you like. Having gained that unshakable confidence of a man, and you are almost assuredly a man, uh, whose, whose violence is without a doubt insurmountable, you continue on your way, you know, your merry way, dealing out death, stealing the hearts of every attractive woman who comes within sight of you, who quickly snowball into, like, a small battalion of constantly swooning battle ladies, you know, the amount of blushing constantly threatening to become medically concerning. It's a relatively smooth ride, and it escalates appropriately relative to the threat of boredom at any time, until eventually it becomes clear that no satisfying conclusion can ever be reached in a life with no stakes, at which point you make the decision to, uh, you know, temporarily uh, return to life, or start your journey over, or, you know, maybe you just call it quits and uh, you hang out for a while. You open up uh, an inn, or, uh, you know, move on to a farm, or, you know, become a king, or whatever. It really makes no difference at this point, because you've so thoroughly saturated your brain with dopamine reserves that any and all stimulus becomes more or less the same to you. Um, And that's essentially your happy ending. I'm sure... (laughs) Uh, out of the two of those, I know uh, what most people would probably choose. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, with a little compare and contrast, we can kind of understand what makes these two genres tick. And what makes uh, people drawn to them. Uh, I would say uh, particularly uh, very different people, but people nonetheless. All right. Um, I'm glad uh, we walked through this a uh, little bit of a, a thought experiment with me. Let's, uh, let's take another break. Let me catch my breath from that. Alright, well, that was fun. Love thinking about death games in Isekai. Just love it. I do it all the time uh, to the point where I am uh, probably mentally crippled by it. Anyway, so I just wanted to mention I um, I managed to watch some anime. I've been reading some anime, watching some anime, some of the new stuff. I uh, watched a couple more episodes of uh, Tengoku Daimakyo as it rolls along. And man, I gotta say that shit is just killing it. It looks great every episode. And the story is fantastic. I really think that's going to be the standout hit. If you're not watching that, please watch that. It's fantastic. Uh, I watched 
Dead Mount Death Play also came out. I watched the first two episodes of that. Speaking of Isekai, of course, that's more of a reverse Isekai. It's a fantasy character who comes to our world, you know, so it's a little, it's a little bit tweaking the formula a little bit. It's very ridiculous. I, I wouldn't say it's like something you'd want to go out of your way to watch, but you know, the first two episodes have been okay. I, I, I'm kind of partial to it. <laughs> I, I sheepishly admit, I think it's all right. I did manage to watch the first few episodes of uh, Dangers in My Heart, which is uh, a, a cute little rom-com, um, one that I've been reading the manga for a while, um, and I found the anime to be really nice, and it reminded me how how much I like that story going all the way back. It's been a long time since I read the first few chapters, and that's what the anime starts with. And uh, it reminds me how much, I don't want to say better, but how much better it is than most of these fucking rom-coms that are out right now. I know I just talked a bunch of shit about a bunch of them last episode, but Dangers in My Heart is really touching uh even though it you know it's uh i think people can be off put by uh some of the stuff at the beginning um but i promise you it's a bit of a rug pull not a very very gentle one but it, i i find it to be one of the most heartwarming rom-coms i've i've read in a while it's very cute and it just it has uh, a level of uh, emotional honesty i think that is not present in a lot of these uh, modern rom-coms you know, I've also been thinking a lot about the classics the, that I, I missed. You know, I spend, we've probably spent way too much time talking about modern stuff, um, but not as much about uh, some of the older stuff. And I had just recently watched a bunch of the Blackjack OVA. We, we think we mentioned it episode one that Nate and I had watched Blackjack. I finally watched the movie, and it's <laughs> fucking insane. I mean, holy shit. Blackjack is fucking wild, but it reminded me, you know, that the, I have some kind of considerable holes in my quote-unquote classic anime knowledge. Well, so I decided to uh, go back and plug one of them recently, which is the first uh, Pat Labor movie. Pat Labor? Patrol? P- Patrol Labor? Pat Labor? Pat Labor? Fuck, I don't know. That's the that's the uh, Mamoru Oshii movie. Did he do the other two? I know there's three of them, but he definitely did the first one. And, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan, obviously. I mean, who isn't? Uh, I, I love Angel's Egg. I love Ghost in the Shell. Who doesn't? Um, but the Pat Labor movies kind of passed me by. Maybe a little bit because ACAB. <laughs> but also because, um, uh, you know, it's just uh, it was in a time period where I wasn't uh, watching a lot of anime. It's specifically anime movies that weren't, you know, Ghibli stuff. And I gotta say, the, the Palimore movie is really interesting in that it fits in this 90s style of sort of banality meets incredible, almost overdone animation. You know, Palimore is uh, a sort of crime thriller. That f- central element is big fucking mechs you know, that cops get in right around. And it's funny because most of Pat Labor, the first movie, is uh, very much a bog standard kind of uh, police procedural um, with some overwrought anime bullshit, obviously. Uh, You know, a ridiculous villain who kills himself at the beginning of the story, that kind of thing. Um, But ends up being like half paperwork, that kind of thing, Um, which is very funny in a movie about police mechs. But... 
uh, as you'd expect, you know, when, when shit goes down, um, the animation is just so beautiful. Uh, the way the technical animating of the mechs and everything that's mechanical is just impeccable. And it's stuff that really makes you go like, what the fuck? Uh, how is that even possible? Uh, and I think it's maybe that reaction is because we don't see stuff that detailed uh, as much anymore, especially when that that level of detail is kind of being shunted off on the 3D in, in more modern anime. Not that, you know, that stuff doesn't exist, but, you know, you just don't see it like that anymore. But it's it's interesting seeing those two elements kind of laid against each other. It's very anime. Uh, the kind of mundane police procedural, 90s police procedural, all about, uh, you know, f- fighting, uh, fighting against uh, the bureaucracy of the government and filing paperwork in the correct way, and then a burst of mech-on-mech violence. It's very funny. Anyway, I, I really liked it. I really enjoyed watching that. Um, even though, again, ACAB. But it's it's nice to fill in those holes. And I, I have a lot more I gotta do. Um, so I'll probably be working on that. Maybe I'll talk about that in the next episode. Anyway, just to close it off, you know, I kind of really wanted to um, give a little bit of space uh, for you guys, my, my best friends, my, my best friend listeners. Uh, you know, and just kind of, uh, I want to go through, you know, some of your, um, your input, you know, we constantly talk about our shit, but, we, but, you know, you should talk about your shit, right? You should get a, you should get a word in here every once in a while, right? I know me and Nate talk way too much. We, we want to hear what you think. So just wanted to, um, just quickly go over some of, um, some of your questions and your comments. And I thought, you know, this would be a good space to do it just run through a few of them so let's let's hear from let's hear from you guys best friends all right let's get into it wow that was some really great stuff, you guys. I, I hope that was illuminating. I, I hope you feel, you know, validated to have your voices heard. <laughs> I really appreciate all the input. I can't wait till we do it again. Keep those questions, those comments coming, guys. I love that part. So I think that brings us to the end here. This should be good enough for you guys. That last one was way too long, right? You know, you can always go back to that. You probably haven't even finished it when this comes out you know we'll be anxiously awaiting nate to return from his pilgrimage and we'll talk all about uh crazy shit that he got up to over in in the the holy land <laughs> all of of the weird uh anime hijinks he got up to and i'll probably you know i've been reading a couple other things so next time i think i want to talk a little bit about uh you know one's new manga versus you know started up a little while ago and we still haven't talked about that i thought that'd be fun to talk about you know chasing Mob Psycho and and One Punch, obviously. It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Who boy, I think I think I think we did it. I think we got through this, guys. I'll uh, I'll put my little ankle bracelet back on, and uh, next time you hear my voice, it'll be mediated, thankfully, by uh, a second one. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you next time. Bye. Alright, 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That'll that'll be really good. <clears throat> Let's see. 